It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. Know what you need to know and what's it all about. Welcome to the Clip Out, episode 72. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. I got nothing for 72. Okay. Well, let's just it's dig in. It's the year in. MASH premiered. <laughs> does, that, does that do anything for you? Is the year my ex-husband was born? Is the year my sister was born? That's all I got. Okay. So there. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we're recovering from a new dog Yeah So if our podcast smells funny, that's why <laughs> There might have been an accident in here But the dog made Yes <laughs> Just to be clear Yes, I'm old, but I'm not that old Alright, we got lots to talk about, not okay. a lot of time here Well then, tell us what we got Okay, we've got news about the tread and, and arrivals We've got news uh, We've got some fun stuff that happened on a Jen Sherman ride We've got some fun stuff that also happened in the Jen Sherman tribe um, And we uh, found out that the FabFit 40s group officially has a collective stalker So we're going to talk about that Past guest update And we get a visit from the Peloton Prophet Oh, exciting So, uh, cool Well, before we do that Some shameless plugs Don't forget We're available on iTunes You can go there Rate, review, subscribe uh, We have a new review It is from 12 String Axe Okay And they I guess he likes to play guitar I guess It could be a female It there, could, yeah Axe, are... Axe just sounds like masculine Right That was my thought but There are lady guitar players Absolutely I don't I don't know that I've ever heard A, a female guitar player Refer to it as an axe and But I'm are, sure it happens And there are lady axe murderers <laughs> I'm I, I, the only one I can think of is the one from that Stephen King book. Misery? That's the one. Lizzie Borden. Oh, okay. So, so there. All right. Take that. So much for moving this right along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, I guess it is a female because the headline is Mom Ubering Just Got More Fun. Oh! I am loving the clip out. Each episode gives me motivation and connection. My husband, the Fred. It's the Fred's wife This is so amazing And Crystal's team member Hashtag just finish Our leaderboard just finish No it's hashtag just finish Our, our AC okay. team name I is thought just so Because she said the ha- Yeah so I was like But they used the pound symbol twice so Yeah because it's a team name Got all confused Yeah So uh, for the half Ironman In Atlantic City in September Which is just around the corner uh. Is socially connected all the time I am not so much Mostly because I spend so much time In my car Schlepping the kids around <laughs> The clip out gives me A quasi Real time fix And keeps me up to date On all things Peloton No I don't listen When the kids are in the car Which is for the best Yes uh, More often than not It's fine But every once in a while It just goes crazy And who knows What you're going to be subjected to each pillow personality you feature speaks from the heart and mind whether it's jody mccannon or marla kaminsky given a heartfelt inspiring story of their journey or may sakharov simply amusing us it just gives me more enjoyment to be sitting in atlanta traffic thank you for creating a different pathway to the peloton community leaderboard name run spin run so thank you thank you so much what a very thoughtful review yeah 
So uh, there that if you want to leave your review go to iTunes and eventually we'll get around to reading it on the show Also, don't forget we have a Facebook page facebook.com slash the clip out and uh, And yeah and a website the clip <laughs> there that's all of that Let's uh, let's dig in shall we sure it's time for news of the Paladin. Treads have been released into the wild ish ish all right, so I got I got some notifications, and they started with me being told this was a big secret, and this person was not supposed to be telling, but they got their tread. Now, I, or they didn't get it, they were getting it. I, I didn't say anything to anybody. Right. But then, people started posting about it. So, there was a post in the clip out, there were posts uh, on the tread page, multiple people saying their deliveries had been confirmed. And then... Somebody called Peloton, who was on the tread page, because they had ordered theirs before these people who were getting them. Sure. And, um... Was that person you? No. Okay. So, this person called Peloton, and Peloton said... Now, I didn't talk to this person, so this is like fifth-hand information at this point. But apparently, Peloton said there were like 30 people chosen at random from a list of people who had ordered a tread... And had been to the Tread Studio. Gotcha. So, 30 people-ish are getting their treads in the month of September. Well, the important thing is you're not jealous. Not at all. So, yeah. Well, people are getting their treads. So, people are getting their treads is And the they seem away. to work great. And the deliveries are going well. And keep in mind, they are by Peloton employees at this point. I saw pictures of the install guys. There's three of them. And it was in pieces. Like, this... This isn't going to be a thing where, like, a week later, you'll, you're like... You know what? Maybe over there. Yeah, no. No, in fact, somebody said that, like, y- you can't even build it in another room. You have to build it in the exact spot it will be put in. So be prepared for that. Also, uh, for what it's worth, people have been asking a million times about the whole dedicated circuit thing. Obviously, I'm not an electrician. I can't tell you for sure. But so far, people have not needed to make any changes to their existing household. They they double-checked with their electrician, though. And I absolutely recommend you do that. Do not take my word for it. Right. That's probably just something they said just to cover their butts. There was a six degrees of separation on a Jen Sherman ride recently. Yeah, this is crazy. Okay, so I only saw this because John Pruitt posted about this on the JSS tribe. Okay. And then I got a follow-up from... From Diane, who is one of the members of this. And Diane, you might remember, is Chet's mom. And Chet is one of our interns. Right. So uh, He's our bulldog intern. That's right, because she's the mother of bulldogs. Right. Exactly. So she, Diane tells me in her words what happened. She sat next to Mika today. So for those of you who don't know, Monica Colfer. And um, they had a few casual pleasantries. And they found out that Mika, Monica... Grew up next to Diane's husband, who goes by the name Big Balls. That's his leaderboard name. Okay. Um, and um, he likes sports. That's oh. the kind. And the pictures of balls. So it's sports balls. So it's I big see. sports balls. But his leaderboard name is Big Balls. If you insist. So Jen Sherman found out. She was hearing this on the ride. This all happened in the middle of the ride. She she hears that an old high school friend. And and this other person had not re- had not seen each other since 1990 and reconnected through the OPP. So they met up today to ride Jen's 90s ride. So then she loved that. 
But then when she found out that Big Balls used to live next to Mika, so there's two different connections happening here. Okay. So Diane had reconnected with somebody she hadn't seen in 20 years, based or since the 90s. So right, going with, 20 years. 20 years. I think it's a little longer than 20. Yeah, we're easing up on 30. But anyway, um, she hadn't she hadn't talked to this person. They reconnected through the OPP. So this was happening during the ride. Jen loved that. But then also during the ride, it comes out that Big Balls used to live next to Moniker. They grew up together. That just sent her over the edge. And that's what John Pruitt's post was about. It was hilarious. It was so funny. And uh she she couldn't believe it. But I think that there was also, if I remember correctly, it's not in this, but there was also somebody babysat for somebody else. I think like Mika babysat for somebody else it was a whole thing it was there were connections <laughs> happening like everybody everywhere. kind of knew each other through different like and it was all in studio and yeah. keep in mind diane doesn't like go to the studio every weekend so and neither does Mo- well monica goes a lot that's not true but i mean it was a lot it was a lot happening <laughs> the uh jen sherman tribe raised twelve thousand dollars yes for camp southern ground yes so I don't know if you're familiar with that camp, but it happens to be a Is camp. Is it a fat camp? No. Well, then how would I know about it? <laughs> it's a camp that was founded. Um, well, actually, this whole this whole fundraising thing was started by Zach Brown, and so the 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 camp is where they're going to send the kids to. They're military kids who can't afford to go. Not like they need to be reha- rehabilitated. <laughs> but um, apparently it's like pretty expensive for these kids to go. It's like it's like two thousand dollars for each kid to go for like the full time period. Right. And so Zach Brown has a sister like this is Zach Brown from the Zach Brown band. Just right. to be clear. Well, he has a sister who rides with Jen Sherman. Like, she's in the freaking tribe. Right. Meredith Brown. Meredith Brown something else, actually, because she's married now. But she she hooked up this whole contest. And all you had to do was, like, do a small donation. And you got entered for free tickets to one of his remaining shows. Because that's how the Jen Sherman tribe rolls. Okay? <laughs> like, they don't do... Like, they they just have a really good time over there. So, this whole contest happens. And they, raise, they end up raising $12,000. Two people get to go to a concert. Get autographed merchandise. Yes, like whole the deal. whole band. Did v- this. You get to go to the VIP like wine Lounge, party wine or Lounge. something. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And then Zach Brown was so excited about how much money we raised. He did a. He took the time to make a video that Meredith then posted on the JSS tribe. Well, that was very nice of him. Man, it's just amazing. It just felt so cool to just be a tiny little part of that. Tiny little part. He should probably do a fat camp though too, because of, <laughs> of chicken fried. <laughs> you think? You think? Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, I'll let Meredith know. Yeah, let Meredith know that okay. there should be uh, the chicken fried fat camp. Well, I also told Meredith that we would love to have her and her quote unquote little brother <laughs> on the show should they ever want to be on. She didn't answer. Not shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she probably gets that a lot. I'm sure. I'm sure she does. <laughs> Well, huge Zach Brown fan, and I thought it was really cool. So, uh, FitFab40 has a stalker. Yeah. First off, I'm not pro-stalking. Uh-huh. Okay. But I'm going to say, <laughs> kudos to this stalker for going after the 40-year-olds. Yeah, he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. normally the stalkers are going after, like, the really young young ones. Yeah. So... So, you like that he aged up a little. I, you know, gotta have a certain amount of respect for that. Well, in all, in, in all honesty, I'm not sure that he's actually targeting the FitFab40 group, but 
I do know that they're talking about it. They're the ones that raised my awareness. And actually, I have to say, it was Mother of Bulldogs again that raised my awareness to this. She wants a cool name for the show, so we gotta <laughs> we gotta get Mother thinking on that. Mother of Bulldogs wasn't good enough. No, that's her leaderboard name. She wants like a cool like the Peloton Prophet. You know, she wants to she wants to have a little thing. So we got we gotta think about that. Okay, if she has recurring ideas that she brings to the show, we we gotta think about it. But then everybody's <laughs> gonna know it's her because we just talked about yeah, it. Yeah, it wouldn't be a secret anymore. But <laughs> so. Yeah, Diane brought to my attention that there's there's this thing happening. There's this guy, and well, it looks like a guy, and his leaderboard name would lead you to believe it's a guy. His name is Spinning Stan, and he has followed over four thousand people in eleven rides, <laughs> and uh, it's almost all women. So that's the weird thing. I know there's a lot of you saying, "Okay, what difference does it make? He's following you. He can't get anything with the information." Well, the weird part is. That even when you unfriend him, he friends you back in seconds. So that's kind of strange. Yeah. So then the group got to talking. Could it be a bot? And then they were friendly enough to send me a whole link about bots, which I then read up on. Right. So from what I can tell, bots are created to either talk to you or help you in some way or do something like gather data. There's a reason. So if it is a bot, why? What What could they possibly and be gaining? following you on the bike. Yeah. Okay. And and the way it used to work with these profiles is that you could then see who they were on Facebook. Right. And like actually see who they were as a real person. It doesn't appear to be that way anymore. So um, we're pretty sure that it was, you know, the Rob Lowe incident that sure. made that go away. But um, you can't do it anymore. So I don't know. I don't know what a person could be possibly getting out of this. I mean, unless they're doing research of some kind, like... Trying to aggregate rides and see who rides and what times and things like that. That's the only benefit I can see. It's probably Soul Cycle. <laughs> <laughs> but even if it was, why? What could you possibly get out of that? If you're only, go- I mean, yeah, there's a lot of followers from that eleven rides, right? But, but w- so, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It's, I don't either. It's above my expertise. So I don't really have an answer for the uh, for the group. But I told him I'd talk about it. But it's out there. It is out there. It's a thing. So. And they like the older ladies. <laughs> I mean. Guess with a name like Stan. You don't get a lot of 22-year-olds named Stan. Well, I would also say that I think we need to remember that it is the FitFab40 group for a reason. Because as Casey very clearly told me multiple times that it is great to be 40. And I have to say, so far, 40 is going great for me. I mean, I just entered the decade, but right. I'm happy with it thus far. Well, that's so, good to know. So, you know, you don't have to, like, make this qualifier for him following the 40-year-olds. I'm just saying, Tom. Hey, I'm into a 40-year-old. <laughs> Great news about a past guest. Yes. I have to keep following the story because it's so exciting. Yes. Robin and Jenkin, now 18 months, officially cancer-free. Right on. Just happened this week. Very excited for her. I saw her video. She was very excited. Yes. If you haven't seen it, you should go look yes. for it. She's dancing up a storm. And she has every right to be. Absolutely. <laughs> I would never, yes, yes. I couldn't even have the guts to do that. And she's been through so much and she just doesn't, she doesn't even care. And she looks great doing it. She's, she's awesome. Bike deliveries are hitting a little bit of a snag. They are. We don't know why, but for some reason they are low on bikes. Now, I've heard a rumor that that is because they are running out of stock on the tablets that go on the bikes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But I also ha- heard the theory that perhaps... It's slower production because they're spending all their time on the treads. You would think it would be different production facilities, though. 
I, I don't no, I I don't disagree with that, but I know that Peloton has everything you know kind of kept in house, sure. and so I don't know which parts of it they give to other people, and right. you know how that all works. Obviously, not something we're privy to, so I don't know. It could just simply be there's a back order on the newer screens, and that's that's all there is. That's all there is to it. I don't know. Could be that simple. It could, but. People were told this week that like they had already had a date for delivery on their bikes and then they were contacted by the delivery company, third party delivery company and said, yeah, we're not going to be there after all because we're out of bikes. And that happened. I saw at least two posts about that. Interesting. Yeah. So just thought I'd put that out there. Cool. We have another visit from the Peloton Prophet. We do. Okay. The Peloton Prophet has two predictions this week. One very bold. One not as bold. Okay. The prediction, the the not-so-bold prediction, we'll start there, is that the fall clothing line is going to drop tomorrow, which would be 9-7. So then everyone should get their treads because it's fall. (laughs) Well, I mean, people are getting their freaking treads. (laughs) Yeah, it's fall, Tom. It's fall. I mean, Starbucks serving fall things. Leaves are turning. Even in Seattle, I got a note from somebody in Seattle that the leaves are turning there, too. It's not just me. Chris Merrill, on the other hand, is like, yeah, I agree with Tom. Chris, he's a smart he's, man. He says the fall season goes till December 20th. So <laughs> you and Chris Merrill like this, <laughs> you know, because you guys bond over the donuts. We did. So the Peloton profit. Oh, yeah. Back before to that. I made the mistake of mentioning the word fall. <laughs> <laughs> the Peloton profit has a very bold prediction. Okay. On social media, it was seen. Cody, our own Cody Rigsby, who is a bike instructor, there are still shots of him running. Why would he need to run if he were not going to be a new Peloton tread instructor? Interesting. Boom. They're pretty good at sussing this stuff out. They are. They are. This is a bold one. It's like a little tiny Peloton Columbo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, sh- we shall see. I wonder if maybe we could make it... You know, like we've got the the stat fairy, you know, so maybe we just like make another little picture of some little pixie thing. Let's call it the Peloton Prophet. I don't know. They might they might fight, though. Ooh, that could be fun. A little cage match. <laughs> we could take bets. <laughs> so that's that. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them? I would agree. So what do we do about that? <laughs> well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each, so nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away 100 or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say, that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, and they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clip Out listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30 day money back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Checking in with the Peloton community. 
So uh, joining us on Skypephone today is Max Colhane. Did I get it right? You did. Welcome. Did I put the accent in the right spot? <laughs> Absolutely. As far as awesome. I know. Okay. It's Max, Hi. right? I said that part right. You did say That's that part right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to thank you guys for, for allowing me to come on. I, I understand we're just going to spend the entire time talking about politics, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Politics and religion and its place within the Peloton world. Yes. Yes. Excellent. yes. What's your stance on Christian rides? I'm exactly. just kidding. Let's exactly. not. <laughs> Tom's and, eyes got really and, big. No, I don't care. And I, I would totally do it. I don't care. It would be very then, entertaining. That's for sure. For fifty percent of the audience, it would be an ex- it would be an explosive episode. That is true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I understand. So I know you've given me a little background on yourself here. And I uh, so I, I does, should we, should we go over anything before you tell us how you found Peloton? Like, did we need to know anything specific before we jump into the, how did you find Peloton? No, you know, it's funny listening to all the various episodes and talking to various people. Everyone seems to have found it by mistake. You know, the, the stories of people who are, I was walking by in the mall and, oh. and I clicked on the ad on Facebook. And I'm like, what the hell? Um, I, my story is, uh, I guess, you know, the first deliberate uh, encounter of Peloton. I, you know, I've been looking around for uh, my wife who had always complained, you know, she doesn't have time to get to the gym, et cetera. And so I did some research into various home gym equipment. And this is back in the end of 2015. And encountered, you know, all these reviews in the Wall Street Journal and various places saying, my God, this Peloton thing is, you know, the Ferrari of inside fitness equipment and, you know, the future of interactive this and that. And I went to the showroom and, you know, tried it out. I was like, this sounds great. She probably will love this. She loves nature and they've got scenic rides. Awesome. And paid no attention whatsoever to like the idea that there were, you know, these professional trainers, et cetera. Just was obsessed with the idea that you could, you know take a scenic ride through volcanoes in Hawaii and was yeah. thinking, Oh my God, my wife will love this. So, you know, sort of went from there, got the bike and, um, it was for her and I never thought that I would ride. And you know, the guy was like, you should get some shoes for yourself. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, they tried that on me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And so I said, yeah, you know, why not? Okay, fine. Maybe I'll mess around with it once or twice. And, uh, you know, I had been the kind of guy who was like, you know, I would jog every day three miles just because, you know, there had been a number of, you know, whether it's a news story about Tim Russer dying or somebody, you know, uh, who before their time has a heart attack. And I was like, Jesus, you know what? I'm getting a little bit older. I should probably think about taking care of myself. And so I was the kind of guy who just kind of punched the, the three mile ride or three mile run every day and, you know, always hated it, never enjoyed it but kind of did it because you got to take care of yourself, I guess. And I was doing that. And in January of 2016, I guess, uh, my knee started bothering me. And it was one of these days and it was freezing cold. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go outside today. I was like, oh, maybe I'll give the bike a try. And I started, you know, with one of the dumb scenic rides. And <laughs> was like, this is, this is silly, but you know, wow, it's an, it's a nice bike. And this is great. And my wife was saying, yeah, no, I really like it. And I took a couple of scenic rides and I was like, yeah, this is really good. I'm glad I got this for her. And 
you know, a couple of weeks went by and I was sort of half running and half trying these sort of scenic rides. And then I was like, you know, I better see what these coaches do. <laughs> and <laughs> I took one of these classes and was sort of blown away by like, oh, wow, this is, you know, they make you go faster and stuff. They tell you to, you know, <laughs> this is crazy. And I'd never taken an exercise class in my entire life. Never had been a member of a gym, had only stepped inside a gym to like go to the restaurant um, so you know, this was, this was an entirely new experience for me and I kind of dug it and it was a Jess King ride and she was crazy and wacky and fun and it felt like a party. And I was like this, I'm going to give this a shot. And <laughs> I s just sort of kept doing it every day and was like, you know, the more and more I did it, the more it felt good. And it was like an entirely different experience exercising for me than, you know, my boring plodding three mile run because I felt like I could push hard. I felt like I could, you know, go long. I had never exercised for 45 minutes before in my life as like at a straight shot. And that was kind of cool. And then, you know, you see all these different instructors and I started trying people out and I was kind of hooked and sort of pleasantly plotted along for months, just taking on demand rides and never even considered this concept of a live ride. Um, you know, we had what? tried to, no, yeah, we, <laughs> we had tried the funk. My daughter got on a live ride when we first got the bike and, you know, it was, this was back then when, you know, it was like 20 people in a class online and, you know, somebody immediately was like, Hey, in Washington, how you doing? Kind of thing. And she was kind of blown away by that. And I was like, yeah, that's a silly <laughs> gimmick. And, <laughs> you know, for like, six months never had taken a live class and you know still today i mean 95 percent probably of my rides are uh on demand just because you know it's like that's the convenience of it is the time and you, you want to ride do it right now and you know i'm started now that i've you know become a little bit more involved in various facebook communities and stuff like i i totally get and appreciate how much fun it is to be on the live ride with everybody and the energy is a little bit different and you do get shout outs and that's cool um but still i you know 95 percent of my rides are are on demand i would say but yeah that was 2000 january 2016 so i guess i'm coming up on two and a half years now wow and the rest is is history as they say but i've not done you know triathlons i've not done century rides or anything i you know i try and keep it as fun and as entertaining as humanly possible and uh you know I, I think that that's what keeps me coming back to it absolutely so what are your uh groups of choice uh you know i think my knowledge of the facebook world as it pertains to, <laughs> to peloton didn't happen and i think this is probably somewhat uh, consistent with some of the older riders. I mean, I had no idea it existed. And like three or four months into riding, I started riding a little bit more at night and people were trying to work or watch TV or whatever. And so I started using the headphones and I noticed that every time I did a ride at night, there were like crazy buffering issues and I would get the white circle of death and I had no idea what was going on. So I'd spend, you know, frustrating calls on with you know the poor helpless peloton folks who <laughs> you know I, I, like there's one guy at peloton who absorbs all of the wrath and ire of all of the riders who have crappy internet and i feel so bad <laughs> for that guy because i've talked to him several times and you know, <laughs> you know he was at the end of this you know i sent him speed tests and all that and he's like i don't understand what's going on 
but you should check out the Facebook page because a lot of people have weird issues. And may, and I was like, what Facebook page? What are you talking about? He's like, oh, there's a whole Facebook page where people go on and try and trouble, sh- troubleshoot stuff. And I was like, well, you could have told me that, you know, three days ago. So I go on Facebook <laughs> and I find the OPP. and you know i'm searching for streaming issues which doesn't help at all because everyone has had those issues but you know i start going down a little rabbit hole and eventually find someone who had you know purchased the bike the same time i did and apparently one of the series of headphones that they would give you with the bike had a bluetooth bluetooth issue which was causing interference and it was like just get new headphones and you'll be fine i got new headphones everything was fine and i was like oh my god this is the first time ever that facebook has been useful (laughs) (laughs) so i started looking around and i would go and check every once in a while because people would post you know cool articles about various kinds of training and you know news about peloton but i never really got into much of any of it um until like you know a lot of people do they find coaches that they like and i started taking more um Stephen little classes and you know everybody says oh yeah i've got a new program on facebook page and eventually i found you know one of his pages and I was, you know, trying to at that point ask about heart rate monitors because he kept talking about heart rate stuff. And, you know, we talked about his watch one day and I was like, I guess you can interact with the coaches. And I spent like an hour composing this (laughs) weird Facebook message that was like, dear coach little, I appreciate the time that you and, you know, I'm, I have a curious question about, you know, watches and, and I've researched this and that. And I don't want you to think that I'm trying to take up your time by asking you for recommendations. And this whole long thing about whether or not I should invest in a Garmin watch. And I sent it to him, like, personally. I didn't post it because I didn't want people to be making fun of me or anything like that. And, like, within two seconds, the email back, he's like, yeah, Garmin, cool. And I was like, all right, I'm going about this all wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I just sort of organically then started following the various, you know, groups and sort of saw who was a little bit more intense and who was a little bit more fun and interested in, you know, sort of having friends. And, and I think the HR tribe at that point was kind of, you know, my people and you kind of get the sense as everybody does when they go online. And, um, I sort of stuck with that and, you know, half of the stuff that I post or like to see posted isn't really necessarily about, you know, you know, post your stats, post your graph. It's, you know, Hey, I did something funny or, Hey, this was crazy when I started this. Right. I mean, just today I'm fighting a bit of a head cold and I took a bunch of Sudafed, uh, before I, <laughs> before I got on the bike and, you know, noticed that my heart rate, like 20 minutes into the ride started to jump and then just oh. kept riding for like two hours just to see what would happen to my heart rate. And you know, my, <laughs> my heart rate was that like... That might not be the best idea yeah, from exactly. a health standpoint. I, mean, I felt yeah. fine, but my heart rate was saying like 95%. And I then go online and look up and I'm like, hey, everybody, check this out. Look at what happens to my graph when you take pseudoephedrine. And <laughs> so like that's the, that's the sort of interaction that I appreciate from the various different Facebook groups. And, and I love Jess King and have always sort of stuck with her and the King collective are just a fantastic group of people. Everybody's so supportive. And so I try and, I try and take all of the good and, and ignore the, the bad as, as much as possible. But 
At least you live in an area where you can get Sudafed. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that where it's we true. live. It's true. I it's a whole them, procedure. I have to show them a driver's license. So. Okay. Okay. It's a whole thing here. They like register you and they. You got to get a prescription sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, a, you know, the, I, the heart rate thing could have either been the, the Sudafed or the, the whole ton of cocaine I did right before the ride. I'm, <laughs> it's I'm awesome. not sure which. Yeah. I know when you were like, here's what happens when you take Sudafed. I, all I could think it was like, I remember when my. When my ex-wife took Sudafed, you know what happened? I got custody of the kids. <laughs> there you go. Crazy stuff she, happens. She used it a little differently. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was, exactly. I don't think he used it like no, that. No, there, there might have been some ammonia involved. <laughs> yeah. She's the reason why I had to show my driver's license. Yes. Except, yes, precisely. Yes, yes. She's, yeah, you can blame that on us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry, we were having a. We were deciding which question to ask, yeah. and we were pointing at each other. We were other. both going, "No, you go. No, no you, you go." go. Like like, I'll just jump in and ask about your ex-wife. Yeah, <laughs> we're like Chip and Dale. Oh no, no, no! After you, oh no, I insist. So, um, do you get to the studio fairly often? I have been to the studio a grand total of one time. So, do you live fairly close? I live in DC. Live... I go up to New so, York all the time. <laughs> What? So you've only been one time. That's that's crazy. I don't don't understand. It's it's one of those things where everybody talks about, oh, you have to go to the mothership. You have to go to the mothership. And it had been in the back of my mind that like, yeah, I should go up and I should go up for like, you know, the milestones and, um, you know, the HRI, the home rider invasion stuff that was all, you know, I was one of the guys who was like Googling, what does HRI stand for? (laughs) Um, And so, you know, when the first opportunity came around, I sort of felt like, nope, that's, I'm, it was sort of right after I'd gotten the bike and I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. (laughs) Um, I'm just trying to be as cautious as possible. Um, But then, you know, people start reaching out to you on Facebook and they're like, oh, are we going to see you on this weekend? You know, everybody has different weekends that they try and set up. Um, And the timing was never right. And then suddenly it sort of became this thing where I'd sort of never gone. And I hit 300 (laughs) rides, 400 rides, 500 rides. Um, And And, and next thing you know, you're like, you're like Tom, never going to get on the bike. You're never going to go to the mothership. (laughs) My my never was never go to the studio. Um, And then uh, just coincidentally, I was on a trip. um, I guess it was last December-ish. I think it was after Thanksgiving, but it was my thousandth ride. And I was like going to be in New York and my thousandth ride was going to actually be on like a Saturday where it was a ride that I wanted to take. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a sign. So I went and did my first ride. It was my thousandth ride. It was one of the Jess uh, ride of shames on, on a Saturday morning. And it was awesome. Uh, you know, it, the, the energy, all that stuff that everybody always talks about was great. And I sort of felt like, you know, okay, th- your thousandth ride. Yeah. That's a good milestone. for it. <laughs> <laughs> So that felt you can, appropriate. Um, you can cave then. Exactly. And I, I, I got a great photo with Jess where, you know, I, my family were big game of Thrones fans. And I know that Jess is the you know, mother of dragons and, breaker of chains etc um so i said you know it'd be really funny if i got to take a picture of you bending the knee and you know my daughter would get a big kick out of that because they think i'm all crazy with this peloton stuff <laughs> and she instantly snapped to like you know the pose of like putting the sword over my head and it was the coolest photo ever and then 
we were, I was on the way home from New York and I, she put it up on her Instagram and somebody had like photoshopped the, you know, iron throne behind in the picture. And I was like, this is bar none, the coolest thing that has ever happened to me. And, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, my daughter flipped out and it was like, I was the hero of the Peloton universe for my brief 15 seconds. <laughs> and then when was that? So... That was last uh, December. And you haven't been back. Wow. I haven't been back. No, I, <laughs> I, I uh, when Stephen Little did his last ride, it was one of those things where the, all the seats went out. And I thought I'd go up for that because I had gotten really into him and his coaching in the tribe. And I got a last minute invite and the timing. It was my daughter's and uh, was in seventh grade at the time. And I, it was like there was a school play or something. Something came up and it was going to be a little bit tricky to, you know, at the very last minute go up. And I'll always kick myself for not having done that. Um, but, you know, hey, again, it's you can't let this thing take over your life any more than <laughs> it has already. And, yeah, think how much it saved you in therapy, Bill. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. Like, so by, I, if, I sort of feel like, you know, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, I'm not going to, you know, get too upset about it. I totally understand that. I mean, I can't speak to that because I have a podcast about it because I can't stop talking about it. But hey, <laughs> that's, that's a healthy outlet. That is a healthy outlet. If we lived closer, I would be there all the time. I assure you. I, I we can, have no doubt. I can see how, yeah, if I were in New York, I always think to myself, you know, I used to live in New York. I'm like, oh, my God, I used to have an apartment right around the corner from there. I would be broke. <laughs> So, um, uh, let's uh, back up a little bit and uh, talk about your your background. Some so you work at ABC News. I used to. Yes, you used um, to work at ABC. I News. used to work at ABC. I, I started um, in the news business back when I was a young pup. Um, so, did you work on fake news or real news? I, which, which one did as, you write? As far as I know, this was always the real news. Um, I, will, I will let others uh, interpret as, as they will. But no, I, I worked at um, CBS very briefly when I got out of college, and then worked for most of my young adult life um, at ABC News, working at places like Good Morning America and Nightline. So Fun. I traveled the world. Done tons of really cool, fascinating, awesome stuff. You know. So what? What was your like role? Were you like were you journalism, or what were you actually doing? I, you know, I I shy away from saying I was a journalist. I was a television news producer. Um, I feel like there are journalists who work for the New York Times and various other places that do real real reporting and tv news is a little is is also reporting very much so not to you know throw any shade but uh, you know right. i always thought of myself as a tv producer i was a producer for most of my well, nightlines nightlines pretty legit yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely no i i just i you know i'm i i like to sort of fold in the aspect of of television producing as as there's a little bit more of a an, an added layer of medium that needs to be involved, which is, you know, the video aspect and production that comes into it that is not just strict reporting. Sure. Yeah, there's still sense. some there's some showmanship that exactly. you, you need you, you need to have. Yeah. It, I mean, it's got to have, you know, aesthetic value. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
So what time frame were you at Nightline? Were you there when like Ted Koppel was there? Or I was at ABC that? when Ted was there. Um, I did not work at Nightline when he was there. I worked. Um, I was at Good Morning America for most of the let's see, early two thousands, um, and then was at Nightline. I don't even remember, but up until about two thousand ten. I just can't imagine that. Like, um, just walking in and that's your job. Like, does it, does it like, do you kind of get, were you starstruck or were you just like, this is just what I do? I, I mean, I think, you know, look, when you're on the elevator with Barbara Walters, I, you know, it's yeah. hard, it's hard not to be starstruck just because <laughs> these are, you know, titans of industry and, Absolutely. and, you know, you're, yeah, bowled over. But, you know, when you are working on something with, you know, Diane Sawyer and everybody's, you know, 3 a.m. and, you know, practically in their pajamas because they're so exhausted, it's the starstruck tends to sort of fold into the background a bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sure, these people are, are amazing people and it's it's easy to be starstruck but it's more easy i think to be impressed by you know their intelligence and and you know the power with which they hold themselves and are able to succeed in the in the realms that they do yeah i would think when you're talking about broadcast journalism especially the people from that era by the time they get to that level or in order to get to that level i mean you're you're dealing with some whether you whether you like their end product or not, you're dealing with some immensely smart people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's it was, and I'll say this, you know, to my dying breath, but it's one of one of the greatest training grounds for you know any profession is to just be around people like that. And I'll always be a, a, you know enormously grateful that I had all that time with them. So uh, to to um, to to make it. A little somber. I'm curious, given the time frame that you that you laid out. So you were you were in journalism on 9/11, yeah, then, right? Yeah. No, my. What was that day like? It was, you know, it was in, it, absolutely incredible, and you know, I think that um, just to lay out the the actual day of September 11th to give you a sense of how sort of insane it was for me personally. Um, I woke up that morning at about 3.30. I was working at Good Morning America, and a great deal of you know, what goes on are things called live shots. And it's you go to a place and you get stuff all set up for either a live interview or some sort of live demonstration um, that happens in between the hours of 7 and 9 a.m. Um, so that morning I had sort of drawn the, the short straw on a particular segment that was with Lara Spencer, who's still at GMA, um, who was doing a maternity fashion show. Um, it was Fashion Week in New York City, and oh. uh, we had come up with, there was a designer who was doing maternity fashion, and so we were going to do a live shot in Bryant Park with Lara Spencer and a bunch of models and doing uh, maternity fashion. And, you know, everything went off as planned. And, you know, we did all of our various hits from, you know, 7.30 on. And then at about, you know, I guess it was around 8 o'clock, um, you know, there were all sorts of other uh, TV folks there. And everybody had monitors. And people started clicking over to CNN and various other local channels. And you could see that something had gone on at the World Trade Center. Um, 
and everyone thought at first it was a you know small Cessna had crashed into one of the towers and so you know people's pagers were going off and in a sort of news world things like this kind of happen all the time where there's breaking news and things change um but the scope of it had not yet been apparent to anyone um at least who i was with um so various crews started packing their stuff up and were getting calls from assignment desks saying you know oh you're pretty close by you're in bryant park you know head downtown to the world trade center um, so various crews started packing up and I got a call from our assignment desk and said, Oh, you know, you're there. Why don't you head down and see if there's anybody who we can book for the show tomorrow who may have been in one of the towers, you know, when this little plane hit and I said, all right, and we packed all my stuff up and started trying to make my way down to the world trade center. I got in a cab and the guy put on the radio and then at a certain point, the second plane hit, um, and, you know, it took on a, it was very clearly an act of terrorism at this point. And, you know, at that point I was sort of on autopilot and, you know, when you're in the news business, you sort of, you know, I, Tom, you know, this, you were saying the other day, you had reports of, you know, gunshot fired and you went the wrong direction. You went towards the gunfire. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's sort of what news folks do is if there's something going on, you want to get closer. Um, so I kept going downtown and at one point the traffic had stopped and you know, I got on the subway and I got about uh, down to the subway stop that's just by the Brooklyn Bridge um, in Manhattan and got out. And, you know, at this point, both towers had been hit and people were flooding north. Um, and I was about three blocks northeast of the towers um, when the first one fell. And um, the, you know, the, the cloud of ash, you know, knocking everybody over. I lost my cell phone. Um, I was with a group of people that managed to duck into a diner um, that was just around the corner. And, you know, people were rinsing their eyes. We were all covered in ash and, and soot and, um, you know, rinsing their eyes out with the soda machine gun behind the counter. And, you know, the rest of the day was just sort of a blur of trying to get back to various staging points that um abc news had been setting up you know um back you know as far as close as they could get to the actual sites um but then for i spent the you know the next two weeks um at ground zero you know reporting from from various points um close to the site as we could and and that was i mean to be a sort of there and a part of that was you know, certainly a defining moment of my life, um, and in particular in my career. Um, but more so as a New Yorker. I mean, I was born and raised in New York and, and, you know, to see how everything happened and to have been there was, was I think an important, important thing for me at least. So where did they, um, during that period when you, I mean, I'm sure you were covering it probably just pretty much around the clock. Where did they, where did they keep you? Were you because it wasn't really that easy to get around New York? So I'm assuming you couldn't just go home. Did they? Have no, there, there were there were sort of circles of um, protection, I guess, from the site, um, and they had placed the media um, sort of over, sort of by the West Side Highway. Um, I think it was just a, I can't even remember what street it was, but there was a whole group of us that was sort of stationed. Um, you know, several blocks from the actual site. 
And that's where they cordoned most of the press and public off from. Um, but to get even below Houston Street, people had to show their driver's licenses. And, and you know, at, at one point, ABC had rented out someone's apartment in a building that was just off the West Side Highway because they could get a camera up there that had a good angle down on, um, you know, what became known as the pile. Um so, they, but invented, were, they invented Airbnb. <laughs> a little bit. I think whoever's, whoever owned that apartment uh, that was rented made quite a lot of money. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I bet I they bet. did. Uh, wow. But yeah, I remember going into you know, this apartment and you know, this is how the news business worked. You, know, you set up sort of a base of operations and it was, you know, there were like 30 camera guys, half of them sleeping, half of them editing stuff. And, you know, it was like a little miniature operation set up in some poor guy's two bedroom apartment <laughs> that's kind of insane yeah <laughs> yeah it was it I, was crazy it was absolutely crazy i uh i remember i live by the airport uh in I, I will back up just one it, it, it's sure. funny because we were making jokes about politics and how that must have been crazy back then but i do remember um so i was up for probably three days straight and so by thursday night i think i First, so it was Friday morning. We did the final live shot that we were going to do for the, you know, the, all the stations were on constantly for five days straight or something like that. Yeah. And it was the first time I had actually been home. And I lived in Brooklyn at the time. And I remember going home and getting home at like five o'clock at night. And um, there was a bar that was like half a block from my house that I would go to all the time. And I remember going there and it was uh, maybe seven or eight o'clock at night on a Friday night. And I was still wearing all my grubby street, you know, clothes and had all my press credentials and stuff on. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm just gonna have a beer and relax. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I walked into the bar and totally packed and I'm sitting there just sort of by myself over by one of the windows. And, you know, people came over to me and started handing me beers and, you know, sort of <laughs> patting me on the back and saying, thank you. Thank I'm thinking to myself, this is the weirdest thing ever. And, you know, people were just sort of had seen that I was wearing, you know, silly press credentials and, you know, the, the sort of the gesture of, we appreciate what you've been doing, um, which was a completely unspoken thing. I didn't even introduce myself to any of these people. They just sort of came over was really, wow. you know, a profound moment for me and something that I like to remember, when we think about how a lot of the journalists are being treated these days. Um, yeah. I was like, boy, that ship sailed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, I mean, a, a moment of crisis like that, hopefully will never come along again, but it was for me a really stark and striking example of how decent and good Americans can be to each other when they sort of, come together and I don't think there was a finer example and I, I know that people have written about this you know hundreds of pages and books and articles um, but it was nice that I had my own little moment and was like yeah that's that was amazing that was amazing yeah there are some amazing stories of, of kindness that, yes. that come after sure. that tragic incident incident act i don't i don't know incident seems trivializing it does i know i know what you mean it's like hard to hard to put a title to that yeah absolutely and up for three days straight i'm assuming this is where the sudafed problem came in yeah that was was the early days that was the very yeah (laughs) i uh, I do i I do remember i you know on i think the third night um people were saying you know we need to get people closer and and nobody's seen 
any video of what the actual site you know they locked it down i mean humvees on the you know streets of new york city um and i remember thinking to my you know i had a little camera with me and i thought to myself you know i've been walking around these streets all day and for the past few days and they had been letting a lot of construction workers in and out and so um there was a big pile of con edison hard hats and i put a con ed hard hat in and just walked right in and walked <laughs> and, and walked all the way down to you know the there's the famous picture of the steel girders um yeah and walked all the way down there and was taking video um and you know the the absolute silence was you know again one of those things you'll never forget in your life but um I mean, it was, it was incredible, um, but I'm I'm fortunate enough to have experienced that and sort of come out the other end. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about silence. Like that's that's one of uh, being in St. Louis. Obviously, we're not anywhere close to what occurred, but that was always one of my biggest memories. Is I I live by the airport and I grew up by the airport, and so like when you live by the airport, you don't even notice planes flying over anymore yeah. like you just like your whole conversation you've had you'll you will have had entire conversations where you'll just stop for 10 seconds right while it goes over and then pick up like <laughs> nothing occurred you know exactly exactly and uh and i remember after 9-11 just the how eerie it was not hearing planes like yeah. It was it was such a like a, a a constant background noise living that close to the airport that when it went away like that I mean that silence was deafening I know yeah. that's a cliche but it was just it was really weird and then it was even weirder when they were flying like supply planes out of here to a, a Apparently to Afghanistan, we now know, and right. uh, and you, you you hear that one plane fire up, and you're just like, "What is happening?" Exactly. Why, no, I remember. Why? Yeah, in the, in the weeks afterwards, you know, it was New York City, very heavily restricted airspace. And every once in a while, though, you would hear, you know, F-16s flying overhead, and yeah. and that would make you cringe because you hadn't heard, you know, helicopters or planes overhead in so long, and then suddenly you hear, you know fighter jets and that was not a pleasant uh not a pleasant noise <laughs> no uh so uh after, after which brings me to moment, peloton yeah so <laughs> after a moment like that what like was every was everything from a news coverage standpoint kind of a letdown or were you relieved to go back to you know a little lighter subject somebody had a two-headed cow no i think know? i mean for sure for months afterwards um you know the the business of working in news felt more serious and people felt a greater responsibility to everything whether it was doing lighthearted stuff or serious stuff um and as that you know ramped up into military activity in Afghanistan and then later in Iraq, you know there was there was a, a for sure there was a shift in the tone of of you know how people were working. Um, but yeah, eventually, I mean, you know, everybody knows that you know there was the point at which David Letterman said, "Look, we got to come back and we got to laugh." Um, right. And, you know, I think it, it took a while, but, you know, everybody got, kind of got back to it. And then suddenly, you know, the newsroom, as you may or may not know, is is 
very good with gallows humor. Um, sure. <laughs> and, and that's one of the best ways to sort of know that things are back to normal is when people start making horrible jokes again. Um, and that, and that <laughs> happened, you know, I, I would say pretty quickly that people kind of got back into the swing of things. I always remember, uh, how easy it was to merge after nine eleven, yeah, people highway. got real nice, real fast. Yeah, everybody's real nice for a while, and it was just like this asshole wants to get. Uh, you know what? No, that's cool. It was nice. <laughs> Whatever. It was get nice. In. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it was a. It was a horrible way to remind us all of what's important. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what do you do now that you're not at ABC News? Uh, I left ABC News um, in 2010 and went to work at Discovery. Um, sort of gave the, the news world a break. Um, but I worked mainly uh, for what was once called the Military Channel um, and now is called the American Heroes Channel, doing a lot of World War II documentaries, um, but was an executive producer for, for Discovery for uh, just over seven years um, and left there in February. And now awesome. I am a what I like to call a primary domestic first responder. <laughs> <laughs> you need to put a trademark on that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a was at some cocktail function a few months ago, and I someone asked me what I what I did, and I said that, and they said, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> so it does sound kind of cool. It sounds like you know, maybe drive sounds, an ambulance or something. It does. Yeah. It does. It just means yeah. I'm a stay-at-home dad right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was awesome. like, were they thanking you for your service, or were they, or did they do it too? And they were like, thank you for coming up with that great. No, they, they definitely had no idea what I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But it was the first free drink you got since. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you sent this awesome email, and uh, I have got to ask, please tell me about Ben Affleck's underwear. How will, did this happen? You, you notice which you. one of us asked that question. Exactly. I could, I yeah. could have put money on it. Yeah. But yeah, here, here is my, uh, my why I wore Ben Affleck's underwear for a week in Africa. Uh, the story is, so Ben Affleck, your listeners may or may not know, um, is very interested in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and it was one of those stories where, you know, when you work at a place like Nightline or ABC News, um, a lot of times it's hard to get people to care about really important things. And foreign news is one of those things. And one way to, you know, try and cover these things is to sort of hitch on with a celebrity. And people like to know what celebrities are doing, but a lot of times they're doing amazing things. Um, so Nightline and Affleck's people kind of came up with this idea that we would go with him on one of his trips to um, the DRC, to Congo. Um, and I was the producer, and I went with a cameraman, and the idea was that he had, um, he had he's since started a, a thing called the um, Eastern Congo Initiative, um, ECI, which helps uh, Congolese um, groups, particularly in Eastern Congo, that's um, been affected by a lot of war violence, um, trying to get Congolese people assistance with starting businesses and starting health facilities. Um, so doing really great stuff. And he had yet to sort of found this 
um, this group and had been going to Congo for years, um, we sort of said, okay, we'll go along with you and sort of cover what you're doing and the various struggles there. So anyway, long story short, I, you know, I'm the producer, I go with a cameraman, we get on the plane, we travel with Ben and, um, you know, he didn't have an entourage or anything. It was, you know, him and one other person. And, um, we land, I mean, you know, he's a terrific guy. Um, we land in Africa and everybody's bags come except for mine. <gasps> so, uh, we're waiting in the airport and it's sort of like, we're on a tight schedule here. We're going to like, you know, various cities by small planes. And this is, you know, it became very evident within about five minutes of my bag, not coming out that I wasn't going to have a bag. Um, and that nobody was waiting for it. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, you know, we all, you know, having spent years doing this, all of the necessary things you bring on the plane, you do not check them. So I had all the camera equipment and everything was on the plane with me, not under the plane. Um, and the only thing that was under the plane were my clothes. Um, so we proceeded off and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, am I even going to have time to find a store to like get some t-shirts or something? And even, I mean, it was, it was a very crazy schedule. So anyway, we're at dinner and you know, Ben saying, so you don't have a bag. And I'm like, no, don't worry about it. Not a problem. Not your problem. Um, and he's like, oh, here. And he reaches into his bag and he pulls out a pair of, uh, gap underwear and a gap t-shirt. (laughs) <laughs> and they had been washed and folded and placed into his carry-on bag by his wife because what happened if his luggage got lost? At least he'd have a change Aww. of underwear. And he's like, my bag came. You can have mine. He's like, I've never, he's like, I've never worn them. They just, you know, my wife stuck them in my bag. So for the rest <laughs> of the trip, I alternated between what I had been wearing on the plane and Ben Affleck's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's Awesome. I still have That's them. Funny. I still have them. There's, <laughs> there's no, there's no initial or anything in them, so it would be very hard to prove the provenance. But, uh, <laughs> but they are. You need a, sure Ben Affleck's underwear. It, you need like a T-shirt that's like I went to the Congo and all I got was Ben Affleck's underwear. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I, I think that's kind of what I took away from that trip. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny too that even, that at that level. Like his wife is still packing his luggage for him. You think yeah. they'd have somebody? I, they'd have a valet or something. And, I think you know, know it's one of those us weekly moments of celebrities are just like us too. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's because awesome. I mean, because she's a movie star too. Like, <laughs> yes, no, I think you know. I, look, everybody knows that luggage gets lost, even celebrities' luggage. So, but yeah, he was he was a fantastic guy. I mean. I, you know, regardless of how you feel about any of his movies, the work that he's doing over there is enormously important. And the guy is, as he would say, from uh, he's wicked smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he gets a bad rap, but I've I've always I've I've never had a problem with Ben Affleck. He always seems super likable to me. I've never understood how people had the rap on him of being kind of douchey because I always thought he seemed. Like even when he's been in movies, I haven't liked. I don't know that it's ever been his fault. You know, I think you know the tendency always is to knock down people who appear to be bigger than you want them to be. Um, but he's—I mean, he just know, seems so likable. Yeah, 
Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy you just want to have a beer and hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I respect mean, him because he's testified big... in front of Congress, you know, multiple times on this subject. It's like, you know, he's a dumb Hollywood actor, and then you listen to him testifying in Congress, and you're like, holy shit, we are. This guy, <laughs> this guy didn't just do his homework, this guy is making up homework for everybody else. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've always respected him because as big as he's gotten, he he would always go back and like do stuff with Kevin Smith. Yeah, who, yeah. You know, because Kevin Smith kind of helped him at the beginning, and he like always remembers that. I always like people that do stuff like that. I'm like that, those are the people you want to root for. Yeah, absolutely. And was that so, a plug for real spoilers? No, it can be. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not above it. <laughs> we know all about your shameless plugs. Yes. Tom. <laughs> they are ample. So, um, before we kind of transition back to Peloton, are there yeah. any like memorable stories? Like one thing that stands out from all of the crazy places you've been, all the things you've done that you feel like you you should share. Oh, how much time? Here's my go-to story. Okay, the go-to story. Um, Other than Ben Affleck's underwear, the other one. um, So in the 2000 election, um, I was at Good Morning America and um, was one of the producers who would routinely be um, assigned to George W. Bush uh, at the time of the candidate. And at that time, I had very ill-advisedly grown my hair long. And by long, I mean like, you know, shoulder length, Prince Fauntleroy kind of. It was a bob. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you wear a suit, you can kind of get away with anything. Um, so, uh, you know, I would drop into the campaign to do um, interviews with various people, whether it was Charlie Gibson or Diane Sawyer, um, with George W. Bush. And so I would see him every once in a while. I wasn't one of the reporters who was sort of covering the campaign, but, but I had enough interaction with him that over time he would recognize me. Did he have a nickname for you? And my (laughs) nick, my nickname was the hair guy. (laughs) And it got to the point where towards the election, um, he, was getting mic'd up for something and we were waiting and he's, uh, you know, a famously personable guy, um, who's really great at small talk and connecting with people. And so he's saying to me, he's like, look, hair guy, <laughs> I know you don't think I can win this, but how about we bet? How about if I win, I get to cut your hair. And I was like, <laughs> Mr. Governor, absolutely. Um, <laughs> for, uh, you know, ab- you can cut my hair. If you win, we can make a big TV show of it. That would be fantastic. And so we sort of shook on it. Ha ha, funny. So he wins the election. um, And the next time I see him is we do an interview with Charlie Gibson and him um, at the uh, old executive building the day before the inauguration. And um, I had gotten my hair cut since then. And I walk into the room and doing the interview, you know, getting set up for the interview. And I'm standing next to Charlie Gibson and in walks the president to be. Um, and he walks over sort of towards Charlie. And I think he's going to, you know, shake his hand. And he walks kind of right by Charlie and walks over to me and hugs me. 
and like a real <laughs> hug where like I'm in his armpit and I can smell his old spice. <laughs> and he's hugging me and he's patting me on the shoulder and he's saying, I'm so proud of you. You've gone from being a hippie to being hip. <laughs> and he's sort of holding my shoulders and he says, it's, it's, you look sharp. You look great. And Charlie's looking at me like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Which I explained to him afterwards. But that was that's my that's my other uh, other than Ben Affleck's underwear. That's my go to story for. Oh, that's great. <sighs> that's awesome. Oh, I love it. That's great that you got a nickname. He's it is. very famous. Uh, I know you know this, but I don't know if you. Do, but he was very he was very famous for giving nicknames to everybody. That's awesome to be to get a nickname. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. pretty cool. <laughs> so, um, what is your leaderboard name, and how did you come up with it? Back to my, Peloton. Yeah, my my leaderboard <laughs> name is the is about as creative as George W. Bush's nickname was. Um, it's uh, it's just Max Colhane. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I know how you came up with it <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that it was like a thing Because I, you know, look, I was The leaderboard was the last thing on my mind When I first started riding And sure. I was always the guy I like Minimize everything kind of thing And then suddenly you open it up And you see people with the most insanely creative You know, things I, You know, one guy's name was Add a Touch which was like, yeah, haha, funny kind of thing. Somebody did, uh, I, but I, it never even occurred to me that it was something that you should put your own piece of sort of flair on. So, and <laughs> I didn't haven't bothered trying to think of one, and and I think by now uh, that would cause problems if I tried. Well, to yeah, it. yeah, nobody would know who you are if you changed it. And I, maybe besides, that's a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you changed it to hair guy, yeah. right? Then, I then one person, yeah. Taken. yeah. You should look. You should look. Yeah, look. Look it up before this airs. Right. Right. Good idea. <laughs> so, do you have any advice? Do you have any advice for people who are just now getting their bikes? I, you know, I, I think everybody's relationship with the bike is is their own deal it's their own personal thing and it's a journey you got to go on I, i'm glad that it happened for me the way that it did i'm i would have been totally different if someone had said you know check out the facebook page first and then you know i so i don't really have any advice I, who am i to say how people should should use it or do it um you know but i think that you know be open-minded and and try not to get too crazy serious i mean i remember when i was when i started riding and i started riding more and more and at one point peloton sent out an email saying like everybody needs to relax <laughs> everybody, needs, <laughs> everybody and, and something they must have noticed people you know like myself who started doing two rides a day kind of thing and then like seven on the weekends and they really i, I don't even know if it, i can find it anymore but there was an email that was like the importance of rest days <laughs> and I would say that you know don't get too crazy and I mean when I started riding a lot more um you know there were it would get to the you know sort of my end of the week would kind of be Friday and I would notice that my output would start going way down and it was I was you know riding like an idiot and tons of junk miles where it was like you get on every ride and you ride as hard as you can and yeah of course at the end of the week you're not able to hit the same numbers because you haven't been resting and you haven't been riding smart. Um, so, I, but I think all that comes when you get more interested in how you want to ride, if you're training for something or not. Um, but yeah, 
take it's it's your own journey. I would for for old time riders. I would say my one piece of advice for old time riders: go back and take your first ride. That's so much fun. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's a good. That's one. a really good one. I it's, it it that. was one of those yeah. things where I you know. I've taken enough classes, like some of the Stephen Little classes I've taken, you know, 15, 16 times kind of thing. Um, but I went back and recently took one of the Jess rides um, that I had taken, you know, early on. I mean, we were all babies back then. I mean, even Jess. <laughs> so I actually ended up taking a ride. Yeah, go back, like, all the way down. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling till the very first rides. I mean, hilariously, I mean, Stephen Little, the guy who, you know, no fucking dancing on the bike. And his first rides, man, the guy jumps out of, he gets off the bike with his weights and is like running around the room doing arms. And you're like, what, what is this? <laughs> I need to know that ride. There I are, have never seen that. I need to know the hidden details. Gems. There are hidden gems. <laughs> but yeah, h- hilarious stuff. Hilarious stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, that, you know, it's easiest that's like, to hit the one that's right at the top. But if you scroll down, man, there are some really good fun stuff. That's like when you when you find out that the Goo Goo Dolls started off as a heavy metal band. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Which and is then true. they're doing soundtrack for Nick Cage movies. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and sp- that's funny enough that you would mention the Goo Goo Dolls. The lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, huge Peloton guy. What? Oh, yes. Man, I wish I'd known that. We, oh my God, we he met played him. in the building. We, we met him. We met him like six months ago. We would have said something to oh. him. The, he, whenever they go out on tour, apparently, he has them pack up a freaking bike for him. See, it was a radio show, so it wasn't a Goo Goo Doll show. It was just Johnny Resnick solo. Like it was literally like him and a guitar. Yeah. So he wasn't getting the full, the full production. He's so cause, yeah, because if I just because if I'm sure if there had been a Peloton uh, in the building, somebody would have came and be like, "Hey, Tom, yeah, Peloton. There's Peloton. Peloton alert. Exactly. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, we missed our opportunity. I know. You just get to start of, asking them all, Tom. Ask everyone. <laughs> right. You would so be well, that's a new. So, that's a new. I don't think that's. I don't think he's been identified as a no, Peloton. No, so I don't think he's on the list. We're breaking news. <laughs> of course, it'll turn a little out I totally made that up. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, you fake news guys! Yeah, exactly. I knew it. Exactly. It was I, Matt Damon's underwear, wasn't it? Right. Right. <laughs> the truth no, I th- comes I mean, out. I, you know, I think for for the other thing I would say for new folks is, you know. Along the lines of like you don't know what's going to happen when you start getting into this. I mean, I've done insane things that if you had told me I was going to do this three years ago, I would have punched you in the face and said that was ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I've I've made brownies using cricket flour. There was a whole, there was oh. a whole cricket thing that started happening at one point where Stephen Little was talking about wanting to start a cricket farm and somebody had found, found cricket flour. And I was like, that's hilarious. And I made banana bread with cricket flour and brownies with cricket flour. But like, I remember that. You were posting your your post you were posting your pictures like at like five AM that you yeah. were making making breakfast. I remember that. Oh my yeah, gosh, it was one that of those a long weird time things. ago. And the funny part was that it started this like little weird war where I think it was like the Peloton Road Riders or maybe and it was the folks who were before the power zone pack. But they were like, dude, fucking crazy people over in the HR tribe are eating crickets. And I was a member of <laughs> I was a member of both pages. And at one point I think I was like making fun of myself and then like defending myself at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean you never know what you're gonna I mean I wear, you know, tights every day. <laughs> magic I, pants, thank yeah, you. Yeah, the magic pants. And I, you know, I, 
that's if you had told me that three years ago, I, that would have been the most insane. I mean, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning once to like ride the bike before I got on a plane. You know, just because I was like, you know what, I should probably exercise before I get on a plane. That I, that's insane. I mean, the idea that Peloton has done that to like some average guy like me is sort of a cool thing. <laughs> and as much as, yeah, as much as people are, I mean, when I first experienced, you know, the Facebook page and people were like, you know, every day posting their graphs and posting their numbers, I was like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, they need these, this constant approval and like thumbs up for like, great, you got on your bike. Good job. And then it suddenly <laughs> dawned on me as I was like looking at some of them, that I would see someone had done a ride and they said, oh, this one was a killer. And I was like, oh, I should do that one. And then I would get on the right. bike and do that ride. And I was like, oh, that's, that's the point why. of this. Yeah. And <laughs> just the other day, literally I was riding and, you know, it was like, I don't even know what time it was, but it was only like 10 people doing the ride. And, that, you know, the new high five feature, which I'm a big fan of. And I saw this person who was riding and I just, you know, it was like, you know, the 10 of us. And so I was kind of high fiving everybody. And literally four hours later, she posts on Facebook and she's like, thanks for the high five. I was going to give up and quit that ride. Oh. But you high five me and I kept going. And I was like, how cool is that? That is so cool. Oh, my I'm God. Like, it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, it's hilarious, for the, you know, for the people who don't do it. But, you know, for the new folks, get in, get, you know, strap in for the ride. Awesome. Well, uh, where can people find you if you would like to be found on the internet? Uh, I suppose Facebook is the that's that's the firewall I keep. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I'm, I'm I'm on Facebook and feel free to stalk me there. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your busy day. No, thank yes. you guys. As a primary domestic first responder did i get exactly. that right exactly and back to the that. that was good yeah. <laughs> i like that right that's good i do i do like that a lot <laughs> i'm going to start telling anybody who's a stay at home dad and wants to they have to put something on their resume yeah. and be like here you go <laughs> i haven't even thought of putting it on my resume i'm totally going to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it shows you're well-rounded. Yeah, you use us as a reference. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Well, I'll be I'll applying for a job at, at, at the clip out, so you guys will <laughs> Oh, you won't like the pay. You'll be wise to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been really fun. It thank, has. Thank you so much for taking the time to Absolutely. do this. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Here's today's recipe for success. So did uh, did Max give us a recipe? He did. He did. Now, you know, Max always had love for Stephen Little. And he talked about it quite a bit. Yes. And uh, he, he thought he'd give an ode to Stephen Little by bringing back the crickets. So he gave us a recipe with cricket flour. I was excited at first because I was like, he kicks it off with Giardelli. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, this might uh, trump the donut. And then cricket powder. Well, you don't have to use cricket flour. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's cricket flour brownies. So I I don't mean any disrespect to Max. I'm probably not going to try these. <laughs> well, I would just hear the little legs rubbing together the whole time I was trying to eat them. I don't think it would really. I don't think I'd have any enjoyment. That's how you know you're doing it right. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to to uh, engage in this recipe. But I don't eat any of them, so he can't be upset. 
Okay. Well, you would eat brownies. I would eat brownies. Maybe I should make them. Until you put crickets in them. Maybe I should make them and not tell you. I mean, I love the Beatles, but I ain't going to eat them. (laughs) So so I guess that's it for this one. It is. Uh, Who do you have in store for people next week? We have Sherry and Jason Rosenberg. Awesome. So uh, we have that to look forward to We do Awesome So uh, I guess uh, Where can people find you Until next week They can find me On Facebook At facebook.com Slash Crystal D. O'Keefe They can find me On Instagram And Twitter And of course On the bike At Clip Out Crystal And you can find me On Twitter At Roger Kubert Or on Facebook At facebook.com Slash Tom O'Keefe uh, You can find the show proper At facebook.com Slash The Clip Out Or on our website At theclipout.com Don't forget We're available on iTunes Go there Rate, review, subscribe That's it for this week Thank Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, keep pedaling.